You may be seated. My beautiful wife is with me tonight. Wow, Pastor Colleen. It seems too long since I was here. Oh, my gosh. This is fun. Oh, my. Is this a party or something? What's happening? <laughs> yes. Hallelujah. Okay, so I have a testimony. About uh, five years ago, my mom passed away, and my daddy was living in a house uh, that he had built 40 years ago. And we said, Daddy, don't live alone. Come. And so he stays with me part of the year and part of the year with my sister. So anyway, we were doing good. He actually tried to sell the house and couldn't, so we rented it. But a month ago, the renter called and said, the fire is coming. I'm running for my life and in Paradise, California. And so he left um, his uh, brother's house when they came back, everything was burned, and the, but the renter had asked um, uh, one of the security guys, can you check my house? Can you just check it? He didn't have renter's insurance. Hello. <laughs> but especially in paradise, you need to have renter's insurance. Anyway, so the, the guy sent him pictures, and he says, I can't believe your house is standing. Your house is standing. Well, and he's going what's, somebody loves, God must love this house, you know, and so he's taking pictures, and dad, and we're all crying, watching this little camera going around the house, he says, it burned right up to the back door, and it's not burned, and you know, one of those tanks with the, what do you call it, propane, it didn't burst, it was, it was toasty dark, but not, it didn't burn, <laughs> explode, it should have exploded, so anyway, we were saying, God, wow, what was that all about? You know, so many lost their homes, and we were just so saddened. In fact, my dad was calling all his friends that he'd known for the last 40 years, and, and their house had gone, and, and you know, he was just weeping. And, and we were all going, God, what happened? How did this save the house? And, you know, Daddy bought fire insurance. I, you know, but 20 years ago, there was another fire in the area, and he said, one day he was just thinking, I'll bet you I could put a sprinkler on the roof. And so he got one of those big sprinklers that go, ch -ch 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 -ch, you know. And then around the edges of the eaves, he got more sprinklers and stuck them up. I was there one summer, a hundred and something degrees. I don't remember what it was. Daddy turned that sprinkler on, and it cooled the house down about 20 degrees. <laughs> it was amazing. Anyway, I got to tell you, I think that's what's, what saved the house. Because Daddy said, the renter called, and he said, as you go, turn on the sprinkler. <laughs> and sure enough, his house was standing. You know, <laughs> what a, you know, an amazing thing. And, and I was thinking, you know, well, as, what's the message here? What am I trying to say? That's a testimony, but I got a message for you. When you get saved, many call it getting fire insurance so you don't go to hell, right? You've heard that statement. But... 
the moral of this story is you better put a sprinkler system on your roof. <laughs> and I just felt like the Holy Spirit says, you know, there's a river of the Holy Ghost. And you know, it's put that sprinkler system on top of your roof. Come on. God's going to help you. And when the time of trouble comes, come on. You know, the Bible says that the, the, the word of God is like the washing. And so, you know, you, you put the word of God in you, you put the Holy Ghost, and you can stand when the time of trouble comes. Amen. Well, we can go home now. I'll tell you what, we got the word. Stand to your feet. We got a message for you. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to a familiar passage found in Mark chapter 11, starting to read at verse 20. In the morning, as they went along, they saw a fig tree withered from the roots. And Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. I tell you the truth, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says, it will happen. It will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this tremendous congregation, family right here. In Wasilla, Alaska, I thank you for the outpouring of your spirit. I thank you for the tremendous leadership of Pastor Daniel and Pastor Karen and the entire staff. I thank you for people that have willingly given themselves to see your cause extend here in Wasilla. Oh, spirit of the living God, come in power and in might. Come on, lift your voice. Begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. Spirit of God, come. Come in power tonight. Cause there to be a breakthrough in our thinking, a breakthrough, oh God, a quickening in our minds, a quickening, oh Lord, in our lives. Lord, I pray for an anointing to come on me and an anointing to come upon this congregation. Give us ears to hear and a heart to respond and eyes to see. And we'll be sure to give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. This is the one of the most fascinating passages. The problem is, so oftentimes when it's taught, it's not taught within the context of what Mark is trying to say. If you'll notice the text before this, Jesus is leaving Bethany. He's on his way to Jerusalem. He sees a fig tree. He's hungry. He goes to the fig tree. There's no fruit on it. It wasn't the time for figs. Then he goes, he, he curses the fig tree. And he, and, he, and he says something like this. He says, look, he says, may there be no fruit on this tree. And he goes to Jerusalem and he goes into the temple. And you'll notice what happens. He cleanses the temple. He says, you've made it a den of thieves instead of a house of prayer. And he, 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 he casts the money changers out of the temple and the merchants. And he, that evening he comes back to Bethany. It's the next day that he goes by that same tree on his way to Jerusalem when Peter says these words, Look, the fig tree you is cursed is withered. The roots have actually come up out of the ground. And then Jesus says probably the most strangest statement 
He says, have faith in God. You say, well, what in the world does having faith in God have to do with a cursed fig tree? Everything. You see, that cursed fig tree was an illustrated sermon. When you look at the concept of the fig tree, the fig tree oftentimes represented Israel in Scripture. And literally, when Jesus went to the temple, the center of faith for Israel, he found no fruit there. And literally, that fig tree was an illustration of what was going to happen to that temple one day when it would be completely destroyed by the Romans. Why? Because they had no real faith. They had all the, the beautiful buildings. They had everything else, but no genuine faith. They didn't even pray there anymore. It was just a market, a place of greed. You know, I wonder at times when God looks at his church in the 21st century, does he have the same concerns? See, we can say amen at the right time. We can say hallelujah. We can say praise God. We can do all the things that seem to be great religiously. But God is looking for faith. And so when Peter said, look at the fig tree, he wanted to draw them to the very core of why he cursed that fig tree. Have faith in God. You can say to mountains, be thou removed, and if you don't doubt in your heart, you'll have what you say. And then he goes on to say, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe you'll receive it, and you'll have it. About 40 years ago, I picked up a Bible, and I was reading it. It was my mom's Bible. My mom and dad are both in heaven today. They were great missionaries. Missionaries to Calcutta, India, where I was born. Started one of the great works in all of India. The Buntains took it over. And it's a profound work. They pastored the largest church in the Philippines for many years. Today, it's a church of over 40,000 people. They were great people of prayer. Dad and mom, dad started our early morning prayer meeting when he joined my staff in 1986. He was with me for two years and then he died. But that prayer meeting started in 1984, has gone unhindered for 34 years, every day. And mom was a great student of the word and here's what she would do. She would take a Bible, a new Bible every year. And she would read through the entire Bible with a pen. She would underline and she would write notes in the margin. And at the end of that year, she would close that Bible because she'd finished reading it. She'd buy a brand new Bible the next year and do exactly the same thing. If you could get a copy of one of mom's Bibles, it would be one of the great treasures of your life. Well, I happened to pick up one of mom's Bibles and I was reading this. And I came to this passage and mom Mom had written in the margin of the Bible these words. Desire. Everybody say desire. desire. Plus faith. Minus doubt. Equals a miracle. I thought about that for a while. I said, whoa. That's heavy. Desire. Whatsoever things you desire when you pray. Believe you'll receive it. Plus faith. And if you don't doubt in your heart, you'll have what you say. Minus doubt equals a miracle. And I began to meditate on that, and I began to realize that desire was something all of us have. There's only a, one major problem for desire. There's two 
fountainheads of desire in your life, whether you know it or not as a believer. One desire is not real good. It's desire coming from our fallen human nature. And James talks about that desire. In fact, he says it's that desire, literally. He says in James 1.14, each one is tempted when by his own evil desires he's dragged away and enticed. Whether you like it or not, because of Adam and Eve's sin, all of us have a fallen human nature. And if, if that human nature is allowed to express itself, it will kill you. Paul talks about it in Romans 8 when he talks about how your fallen human nature or your flesh, if you, if you allow it to continue in your life, it'll bring death. But I got some good news. Everybody say good news. God planted in you a new nature, a brand new nature. And that new nature has been planted in you when you receive Christ. It says the Spirit of God makes your spirit alive to God. Paul writes about it there in Romans 8. It's an amazing situation that happens. So all of a sudden, now you have two natures. You have your fallen human nature, and you have your nature given to you by God, your new nature. And here's the thing. There's going to be a civil war for your entire life. Some people say, well, pastor, who's going to win? It's the one you feed. If you feed your fallen human nature, you get on the internet and you watch stuff you shouldn't be watching, all of a sudden the devil will begin to put things in your mind and it'll stir up that fallen human nature. It'll be the resurrection of Frankenstein, if you will. And all of a sudden you'll be thinking thoughts and doing things and becoming weird. Are you hearing me? Or you can feed your new nature. You're in a church like this that Believes in allowing the Holy Ghost to overwhelm you. You're praising God. You're in the Word. You're in church on a regular basis, not once a year. Because you're, 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 you're desiring to, to feed your new nature. And Paul writes in Galatians 5, he says, If you walk by the Spirit, you won't yield to the lust of the flesh. You can have power over your fallen human nature. We know the power of prayer. I teach my staff, if they're being tempted or going through things, listen, they can call me anytime. We'll pray together. We'll cast out demons together, and we'll get on with living in the new nature. Somebody say amen. So when I talk about whatsoever things you desire, it's when you pray. That We're talking about the nature that comes, the desire that comes out of your new nature. It's the desire that you have for God, for intimacy with God. It's that intimacy with God. Amazing. Because you, you, you recognize something. Once, once you desire God, you yearn for His presence. You take time to just commune with Him. All of a sudden, God begins to drop His desires in your heart. Now listen to me, this is not a little idle thing. When God drops His desires in your heart, everything shifts, everything changes, because that's the building block of your miracle. Brother Nantes 
referred to an interesting verse of scripture in Psalm 37, 4. He didn't know what I was preaching on, but it was kind of one of those confirmation verses. The verse says this, delight thyself in the Lord, and he will what? Give you what? Desires. Now think about that for a moment. You're delighting yourself in the Lord. It's, it's almost as though God then has the opportunity to drop into your spirit his desires. And then he, he, he waits for you to express it. And when you express it, he goes, yay! Now I can work. Now think about it for a moment. The reason this verse is so important to me is because when my father died in 1986, he's buried on Maui. We put on his tombstone that verse, Psalm 37.4. He was a tremendous singer, a great opera singer. In fact, you know, as an Italian young man, his parents had planned to send him to the opera, and he had a voice like that, very powerful. And he loved to worship God. I mean, it didn't matter where he was. I remember I'd be driving in the front seat with him. He'd be singing at the top of his lungs. And, and we'd come to a stoplight, and all these cars would be around us. And, and he's singing with the windows down, just praising Jesus, oblivious to anybody else. I'm trying to find somewhere to get under the front seat, you know. Everywhere he went, he whistled. Everywhere he went, he smiled. He was happy in God. But that verse had a special meaning to my dad. His name was Dan, Dan Morocco. He went to Bible school for CBI in Springfield, Missouri. And while he was there, he, he met a young lady named Esther. It was kind of interesting because Dan was always moving. He was always going quickly to some place. He never was standing still, just moving all the time. The first time he met Esther, he was coming out of a classroom. She was coming into the classroom. She was carrying a bunch of books in her arm. He knocked out all the books from her arm and kept on going. And she screams out, how rude! Well, there was one problem. Dan took notice of Esther. She did not take notice of him. She didn't want anything to do with him. But one day, Dan wrote her a letter. And the letter said, I was praying the other day, and the Lord gave me a word. Now, I don't recommend you ever doing this. This is not my recommendation. But, but he, he wrote, God gave me Psalm 37, 4. Delight thyself in the Lord. And he'll give, he'll give me the desires of my heart. And then he said this line, and you are my desire. <laughs> oh! Esther was so mad she wouldn't even look at him or talk to him. Well, Dan and Esther graduated from Bible school. She went off to become a nurse because God had called her to be a missionary. Dad became an evangelist. And a year later, Dan and Esther got married, and I'm one of the products of that marriage. Now, we had to put on that tombstone Psalm 37, 4. 
And that was the way Dad lived. I began to realize the power of delighting yourself in God and allowing God to download into you His desire. That's why this house pushes you. If I could, I'd come and knock you over the head with this microphone. You must pray. It's not an option. Some people treat prayer like they do to the dentist's office. The only time they ever go is when they have a toothache. We're not going to do that here, friend. I'll tell you why. Because miracles happen in that communion with God. Now here's the question. What do you desire? Are you in agreement with your spouse? Thirdly, are you living a lifestyle where God can fulfill that desire? Are you forgiving people who've hurt you? Are you living holy and righteous so He can hear your prayers? Because it's whatsoever things you desire when you pray. But desire is only the beginning. You have to add to it faith. Whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe. Everybody say believe. believe. You say, well, Pastor, that's great, but what in the world is faith? Well, I could spend a year standing here giving you the definition of faith. In fact, I'm writing a book entitled Faith Is. There's so many aspects of faith. It's like a beautiful diamond. Faith is perseverance. Faith is expressed in love. It goes on and on and on. But the basic definition is one all of you know. It's found in Hebrews 11. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the action you take on your way to your hope or your desire. You see, if you only express your desire, but you're not willing to take any steps of faith, any action, you're just, you're just dreaming a dream that will never be fulfilled. And where a lot of people, I mean, I've, t I've been in the ministry over 50 years. The problem is I've come across, a lot, oh, I'm believing for this. No, they're not. <laughs> they're just dreaming. Because real belief means you're going to put your name on the line. You're going to take the action, whether it costs you your life. You're going to do something for God. Listen to me, I understand this. One of the things that have motivated my life, Pastor Daniel may have shared it with you. I've shared it with my staff so often. I don't know if it was a vision. I don't know if it was a dream. I don't know if it was just a thought that came through my head. I can't recall the circumstances, but a picture emerged in my mind that has moved me for my life. I'm standing before the Lord on Judgment Day, and He says, he says to me, Son, why didn't you do what I put in your heart to do? And I said to him, well, I, I couldn't. I, 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 I didn't have the money. I, I, I didn't have the strength. I, I didn't have any help. He looks at me and says, son, didn't you know if you'd only tried, I would have intervened on your behalf. When we were only one church in one location, God gave me that. Now we're one church in 220 locations. I'm thankful for the building program that's going on up here in Alaska, but I'm in seven building programs. I need this message. 
Faith is the action. You know, it's interesting because as a pastor, you'll have people come to you and say, oh, Pastor Mark, would you pray that I prosper? And the first thing I'll ask him is I'll say, do you tithe? Do you tithe? I'll never forget the guy who went, no. I said, are you brain dead? You're wanting me to bless you when God said you're under a curse. I'm not going to do it. He was shocked. I said, I'm just not going to pray for you until you commit yourself to be a tither. And then if you come to me again and ask, I said, would you pray for me to prosper? I'll ask you, how much are you giving every year? I said, boy, you're bold. No, I'm godly. Because every dollar means that I can reach somebody for Jesus. Got people come to me and say, Pastor, would you pray that I get a job? I'll ask them, are you looking for a job? If you're not looking for a job, why should I pray? Oh, this is a good one. Pastor, would you pray that I get a wife? I said, I tell you what, would you take a shower every day? Brush your teeth? Change your clothes at least once every other day, please? Comb your hair? Maybe God will do a miracle for you. Are you still with me? You see, faith is action. Action. You have to be willing to say, Lord, whatever it costs, I'm going to do what you've told me to do. You know, when there's a powerful passage of Scripture it's that passage where Peter gets out of the boat. It's in the book of Matthew, and he walks on water. Remember that story? Now, what's interesting, it's only recorded in the Gospel of Matthew. It's not recorded in any other Gospels. And I'm convinced the reason it's recorded only in the Gospel of Matthew is because Matthew was in the boat. And it so impacted him that he couldn't help but tell the story. Now, you know the story. Jesus had fed the multitude. He'd send the disciples away, and he goes to them walking on the water, and Peter thinks it's a ghost, and he says, If it be you, Lord, bid me come. Every time I read that, I said, Peter, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard anybody say. But in Peter's mind, it wasn't dumb at all. You see, because he understood the relationship between master and disciple. Whatever the master does, the disciple can do. Are you still with me? So... He can cast out demons. He can raise the dead. Remember, Jesus commissioned them to do that. Heal the sick. So here he sees Jesus, and, and he says, oh, that's Jesus. If that's really you, Lord, bid me come. Because if you're walking on the water, that means I can too. If you say come. A lot of people think they can do all kinds of things, but they've never heard the word come. I was in Korea a number of years ago. I go there every year or every other year. I'm on Dr. Cho's church growth board. And Dr. Cho shared with us a story of some Korean young people who came to a flooded river because they were going to a camp. And one of the guys in the group said, you know, Peter walked on water. 
I believe we can too. They walked out into that river and they all drowned. It hit the front pages of the papers in Korea. And God had failed his disciples. No, no, he did not. He didn't say come. If he doesn't say come, you better not go. Are you hearing me? Faith comes by the word of So Peter gets out of the boat. Now, at that moment, Peter has great faith. Everybody say great faith. Great faith. I mean, nobody else has ever walked on water that I know of other than Jesus. Are you hearing me? So here he has great faith. But then something happens. He starts looking at the circumstances, looking at the problems. Takes his eyes off. Jesus begins to sink, cries out. Jesus saves him. And Jesus says two things that are absolutely shocking. He says... Oh, you of little faith. Now, wait a minute. Hold, stop. You're not talking about some flunky. You're talking about some guy who just walked on water. He says, oh, you of little faith. And then he says this statement. Why did you doubt? Now, what was he saying? Here was a man of great faith, but allowed doubt to drain him of that faith to the point that he had little faith. Now listen to me, I want to talk a little bit about doubt. In some cases, doubt's good. First John 4 talks to us about how we ought to test the spirits to see if they're of the Lord. And so doubt in those cases are good because there's a lot of charlatans running around. There's a lot of scams and they're even in the church. Are you hearing me? That's why the gift of discerning of spirits is such an important gift. Are you hearing me? But doubt, if you're not careful, can rob you of faith as it did for Peter. And it can keep you from your miracle. You see, what happened for Peter, he got his eyes off of Jesus and he got him on the circumstances. And we do that time and time again. We see the problems, but we forget who we're looking, supposed to be looking at. And, and, and there's a number of ways that doubt operates and how you can fix it. How many are ready to hear that? Well, I'll come back next time. That's all right. I'll tell you then. How many are ready to hear it? One of the ways doubt operates to drain us of faith is that we fail to remember. We have spiritual Alzheimer's. We fail to remember. I went through a crisis in our ministry a number of years ago. We had bought a, we had bought a shopping center in Honolulu. And uh, the economy crashed in 2008, as many of you know. Maui's about 10 months behind whatever happens on the mainland. So in October of 2009, that economic crash hit Maui. All of the building uh, projects closed down. And uh, people were jobless. My payments on that shopping center was 150000 every month. That was only one payment. I had many others. I had to come up, you know, the Lord had to supply for me two, a quarter of a million dollars just on payments every month. And what was tragic was in the month of October, my offerings at the cathedral dropped 150000 in one month. That was my payment for that shopping center. 
I'm going to tell you something. We were in trouble. And I'll never forget crying out in my office. I crumbled to my knees, crying out to God. The weight of the financial pressure was horrendous. I had no way of fixing it. People didn't have jobs. The only way we got through was on my credit cards. My wife and I loaned the church over $400,000 on credit cards and everything we had just to keep the church open. You don't understand. When you're committed to building the kingdom of God, it may take everything you have. And that's okay. Because this is all going to crumble one day. Only what's done for him lasts. So I'm broken. I'm crying out to God. Oh, God, intervene. And God spoke to me. He said, son, get in your car. And I went and got in my car. He said, drive over to the skating rink. Now, let me tell you what the skating rink was. When I came to Maui in 1980, I came to a little church that held 150 people. But the first Sunday, we doubled. Within a year, we'd grown from 100 to 700. Within a year and a half, we'd grown from 100 to 1,000. We became one of the fastest-growing churches in America. That little building, even though we tore down as many walls as we could, couldn't hold the people. We were in multiple services. And so we took a step of faith, and we bought a, the largest building on the island at the time. It was a big skating rink. Today, it's a big tile store across from the most uh, prestigious mall of the island. And we were making payments on it, and it was extremely difficult. And when I got out of my car at that skating ring, now it's a tile store, I walked around that building, and I remembered. I remembered how God intervened time and time again. When I thought I was going under way back there, He intervened. And then I got in my car, He said, go over to the chapel, and I went over to the chapel. Now the chapel there now is a building that we built it. The building now seats 550, and there's a two-story structure. Both facilities now are being used for, for congregations as well as for our social service arm. And, and I remember when we moved in the skating rink, I didn't have any money to finish the building. There were studs standing there, just standing there month after month. And I'd walk around the building saying, oh, God, intervene. Now I'm standing in front of the building. It's beautiful. It's built. It's there. It's all paid for. He said, did I do that for you? He said, now go over to the cathedral. And I drove over to the cathedral. And there in the most prestigious corner of all of Maui is the largest church building in the state of Hawaii, worth up to $50 million. And, and I remember the difficulty it was to build that thing. And I, I was looking at it, and God said, did I do that for you? I will intervene for you. I had no way of knowing how he would. But you know what happened during that time? As I was struggling just to keep the lights on at the church, God gave me an idea, unusual idea. He said, condominiumize the shopping center. That means take the Chinese restaurant, make it its own condo, take the Take the jack-in-the-box and make it its own condo. Take the 7-Eleven, make it its own condo in all of the stores. Make it its own condo and sell them. It had never been done in the state of Hawaii. We were the first, we were the first shopping center, major shopping center ever to condominiumize. 
So we started the process. And we had just started the process when I was at a banquet on the top floor of one of the leading banks. And we were eating dinner. And sitting next to me was the president of that massive bank. And he nudges me and he says, hey. He says, I hear you're condominiumizing the shopping center. I said, yeah, we are. He said, you know, I think the bank might want to buy one. I said, well, why don't you meet me there tomorrow morning? And so we arranged the time. He came and he looked at the whole condominium thing, looked at the whole shopping center. He said, look, I want that corner. I said, okay. And while he's standing, I said, you know, why don't you help me by just refinancing the shopping center? He stopped. He said, you know, I'm the president of the bank. I said, yeah, you are. He's a great man. He said, you know, I can. He said, I will. Did you know he refinanced that shopping center because we were condominiumizing and it was no longer was seen as a church, but as a potential sale of a business. He dropped my interest rate because we were under an interest rate from another organization from seven and a quarter percent to four percent. He saved me 60,000 every month. That was the first of many miracles. And then over a period of time, a developer knocked on my door. And he said, I'd like to buy your condos. I said, well, I want to keep the church condo. It's over half the shopping center. And I said, I want to keep the 7-Eleven store. He said, why do you want to keep the 7-Eleven store? He said, I said, because of Matthew 7-Eleven. Everybody knows Matthew 7-Eleven. If you ask your father for a piece of bread, he's not going to give you a stone. And it goes on to say, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? I said, I'm keeping the 7-Eleven store. So we negotiated a deal. We, we went into escrow. That escrow went on for a year and a half. And I kept, I kept saying, this guy's trying to scam me. And I'd go to God in prayer and God would say, stay in it. I said, oh. In June of 2016, it closed. Now listen to me. When it closed, we paid off the entire debt of that shopping center. We owned our condo free and clear and the 7-Eleven free and clear. Now, now listen to me. Listen to me. And, the, and for the first time in 36 years, we had a little money in the bank. And you know, and you know, that condo that we own and the 7-Eleven was appraised. It's worth $22 million. God gave me a check for $22 million. And then you know what else? I couldn't find financing to do this project. Couldn't find it. There was none. Because there's not the equity in the land. Whether we like it or not, banks don't loan it. My son who pastors Honolulu said, Dad, he said, he said, look, I need a million dollars to redo the building. I said, well, if you're going to do a million dollars to redo the building, maybe I, we could finance, we could get a, a loan to help Alaska. Because you see, whether you know it or not, Alaska helped us buy that shopping center. Now, the church there paid the note, but we mortgaged this building 
so we could buy, we could pay for that shopping center. And so now it was their turn to intervene for Alaska. And so we, we took a mortgage on that, which we just paid off. And we released, I think we're up to about $8 million now with the buying the property and everything that's been released on the project so far, just for the Alaska project. And it was tied to there. Who could have dreamed that? I, I, I'm telling you, who could have dreamed that? Only God could have put the pieces together. Nobody could have done that. And it came out of a time where I felt like Literally, we were going under and God gave a strategy that changed everything. And now a massive building's being built. Whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive it. And if you don't doubt in your heart, you'll have what you say. Everybody say, remember. Say it again, remember. One reason people doubt is because they've never made a commitment to anything. They don't make a commitment to a church. They don't even make a commitment to a marriage. They don't make a commitment to a job. And then they wonder why they doubt. It's because you've never made a commitment to anything. Learn to commit yourself to something. And doubt will begin to drain, will begin to wane, no longer being a part of your problem. Some people doubt because they're emotional yo-yos. They're up, and then they're down. And then they're up, and then they're down. And when they're down, oh my, 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 does doubt come in? Can I give you a suggestion? When you're down... Just doubt your doubts. Turn to your neighbor and say, doubt your doubts. And be assured of one thing. If, you got, if you're the emotional yo-yo type, it may be you don't get enough sleep. It may be hormones. It may be whatever. Are you here? Take some vitamin B, yes. And D, yes. Whatever you need, amen. But... Don't worry about it, because you'll be back up again. Don't allow the doubt to drain you of faith. Are you still with me? So remember, commit yourself. If you're an emotional yo-yo, just, just continue to realize God's still working with you. He knows your frame. You see, doubt is a divided heart. And when you have a divided heart, you're not going to get anything from God. Are you still with me here? Doubt will drain you of every bit of faith if it can. You see, doubt is not the opposite of faith. Unbelief is. But doubt, listen, doubt is used by the enemy to drain you of faith to draw you to unbelief. So you've got to deal with it. Sometimes people have, have doubt because... They're not growing in faith. Hear me. Hear me well. The Christian life is like a salmon swimming upstream. If he stops swimming, he dies. You don't have an option. You face an enemy that wants to drag you to hell. You don't have an option. You, well, when I get around to it, you'll never get around to it and you'll go to hell. <laughs> 
Well, I went to, I went to KC. How many years ago? Where have you been since? What are you doing now? Listen to me. The Christian life is a vibrant relationship with the living God. And if that's not there, don't talk to me about having a relationship with God. Jesus said it in the book of Revelation. He said, if you're lukewarm, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. Where do you get off thinking you can just do whatever you want to do and it's okay? Now, I'm only here one time a year, so I'm preaching hard. I'll leave the rest of the heart preaching to Pastor Daniel. Amen. But listen to me. Please hear me. you got to grow in faith. Are you in a life group? Are you in a ministry? Are you serving? Are you doing something? Well, I did that before. So what's your problem now? Well, I got hurt. That's another reason why doubt drains people. They've never been healed of their hurts. They're carrying hurts all over the place. Stop. Jesus is the healer of every hurt. You bring it to the Lord. You bring it to your pastor. Have him lay hands on it. If need be, have him slap you upside the head and get it straight. Listen, I got my doctorate in pastoral counseling. I've heard everything you could ever hear about everything that's ever happened. And I've heard, oh, I've been so hurt, been so hurt. I understand that. And please, I'm not minimizing it. Please understand. I know that all of us have had expressions of hurt, and some are deep hurts, and I know that. I know that. I know that. And I'm not, I'm not treating it lightly. Hear me. Please hear me. But God never wastes a hurt. If you went through an experience of hurt, the devil had planned to use that hurt to destroy you. But God has another answer. God can turn that baby around for good. Now listen to me. I'll never forget an incident that happened in my life. I was, a, a young man died in our church of leukemia. This was 30, wow, 37 years ago. I remember the prayer meeting the night before he died. We had a few people that loved him were there praying for him. And one person was prophesying of how God's going to raise him up. And it was all wonderful except when I prayed, the Holy Ghost said, I'm taking him home. Said it clearly to me. I didn't say anything. I wasn't going to put anybody's faith down. I just knew he was going to die the next day. Sure enough, he did. I went to go visit his mom. And I was getting out of the car, walking down the aisle. It was at night to see his mom. The Holy Ghost said, the moment you walk in, she's going to, She's going to ask you a question. And here's how you're to respond. I walked in and sure enough, the first words out of her mouth was the very thing God spoke to me that she would say. And here's what she said. Why did my son have to die? And I gave her the response God gave me. I said, that's the wrong question. It's not why. Because none of us may have never... We may never know the why till we get to heaven. The real question is, is how? How do I respond? How do I respond? You know, it wasn't but a few months after that that the Holy Spirit did tell me why he died. 
God was having mercy on him because there were things about his life I knew nothing about, neither did members of his family know anything about, but I found out about him. But he, if God hadn't taken him home and he went back into that lifestyle, he would have ended up in hell. God had mercy on him. But most of the time, we don't know why. We don't understand why. And we're trying to say, well, why, God? Why Why would God have to tell you? Your brain's the size of a pea. You wouldn't understand it anyway. <laughs> Just asking the Lord, what do you want me to do? What's your will for me in this situation? I've been hurt. This is my problem. I, I, I'm grieved. I, 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 what do you want me to do? And when you move in that direction, then God can move you from the place of hurt to the place of healing and use even the hurt for His glory, honor, and praise. Somebody say amen. So don't allow hurt to drain you of faith. Please. God still loves you. And God's going to use you. And there's a lot of horrible people in the world. You say, well... It was God's will. No, it's not God's will. There's the devil's will. There's people's will. Don't go blaming stuff on God when God had little to do with it or nothing to do with it. He gives a free will. And there's stupid people in the world that do stupid things. Are you hearing me? But there's a God who still loves you in spite of it all. And he's going to use you. And he's going to use that situation to bring correction and healing and life. Somebody say amen. go on for hours, but Pastor Kirsten needs a break up there with all those kids. This is my 13th meeting. Normally I go to banquets and I've gained a few pounds, but I'm glad I can still fit into my suit. This would have been my 13th banquet, but we can't do a banquet because there's no place to do it. But one day there will be. I'm looking forward to that day, Pastor Ben. <laughs> A year ago, I was driving to do a banquet at Branson, Missouri. Driving down the highway, and it's already dark. When you get to Branson, the most, the, the first major theater you see with a big sign is the Yakov Theater. And I'm driving down the highway just praying. I said, Lord, you see that sign? It should say King's Chapel, Branson. So after the service, I said to Pastor Chris, I said, Pastor Chris, I, I want to go over to that Yakov Theater. And I stood there and we prayed there. And he said, why do you want to do this? I said, I don't know, but I, I, I saw the sign, and it said King's Chapel, Branson. We prayed. I was driving into Branson about a week and a half ago. Looked down the street, and there was a sign. It said King's Chapel, Branson. We leased that building for you. Now you say, Pastor, you're crazy. Oh, 
You know why you have that 18 acres? I'm going to tell you why you have that 18 acres. Because when we started the church here with Brother Ken Gable, I, I did a week of meetings here. Just It was his church. It was something he was going to do. I was just going to bless him. I didn't have a vision beyond Maui at the time or Hawaii at the time. But when I was up here, I saw 18 acres overlooking the city. It was that 18 acres. I said to Brother Gable, I said, Brother Gable, if you ever get a chance, you ought to try to buy that piece of Well, a year after we started the work here, Brother Gable calls me and he says, you know, I'm not supposed to be the pastor of this church. You are. I said, hello, I live on Maui. <laughs> it's a little far from Wasilla. I said, I'll pray about it. And I began to pray. And I said, God, if you want me to pastor Wasilla, I want that 18 acres. Did you know God allowed me to buy that 18 acres on an agreement of sale? The owner financed it. I think it was 750000 I moved the church into the barn, moved the gables into the house. King's Chapel, Osilla was born. Years later, as we were building the shop, as we were remodeling the shopping center and buying it, the Lord spoke to me. He said, sell that property. There was a developer that wanted to buy it. For $3 million. We sold it, whatever it was. I think it was, yeah, somewhere around there, $3 million more. We sold it to him. And I said, let's buy a church building. We bought this building with it. And then we used the remainder of the money to help Honolulu. Then we mortgaged this building and used that to help Honolulu. And they made the payments on it all those years. Well, as you know the story, God has a powerful pastor and his family. And he was, uh, I told him, I said, Pastor Dan, why don't you check on that 18 acres? Nobody's done anything with it. You know the story, I'm sure he's told you. And uh, he called and they wanted $4 million for it. And uh, I couldn't get away from it. And, of course, the church here is growing, multiple services. I said, Pastor, we've got to build a building or buy a building. We can't keep doing this indefinitely. One day, they went to go see a movie, and Danny, where are you, Danny? Are you in the service? Wave at me, Danny. Where are you? In the back, Danny, man of faith and power. You need to be sitting right up here in the front. Amen. <laughs> Now listen to me. He, he's 11 years old. He says to his dad, Dad, we ought to go see the property pastor's talked about. And he wouldn't shut up until Pastor Daniel drove his vehicle onto that property, got out, went into the chapel barn. The Spirit of God hit him, fell to his knees, and he began to weep. The next day he calls. The bank had foreclosed on it. They were selling it for a million dollars. We bought it that week. Listen, everything I know revolves around what I'm telling you. I look at property. I say, I want that. Sit outside of that shopping center and said, God, if you want me to pastor in Honolulu, I want this building. God gave me that building. Reached out my hand to a property in Wasilla. God gave us that building. 
everywhere I turn. That happens. You say, how does that work? I said, I don't know. <laughs> Except here's, what, here's my theory. The Spirit of God, as you are in relationship with the Lord, so floods your being that he, he literally puts desires that are His desires in you, and He just waits for you to ask. You have not because you ask not. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened. If you only understood the power of God at work in the life of the believer, everything would change. Everything would change. desire out of prayer. Oh. Oh, Jesus. Because I know then the step of faith I've got to take. Miracles happen. It can be in your family. It can be in your physical body. God is that real. He's that real. Please hear me. If you only could grasp for a moment what I've said, your life will never be the same. Listen to me. When I went to Maui, our church was worth $150,000. That little building I went to. Today, with our properties, we're worth over $100 million. I know what I'm talking about. Listen to me, friend. I'm not a businessman. I'm a pastor. But I'm a pastor that knows the living God. That can do way beyond anything you and I even know. That's why I'm never afraid to have people give in an offering. Because I know if they do, they're releasing faith. That's why I never have a problem with saying, come to prayer. Because I know if they come, God's going to give them miracles. I never have a problem to say, hey, wake up. Do something for Jesus. Hey, well, Pastor, I just want to sit here. And look stupid. Well, you can stay looking stupid, but do something for Jesus. You know I love you, don't you? Say it with me. Desire plus faith minus doubt equals a miracle. Stand to your feet. The power of God's present to heal. Come on, people. Lift your voice. Begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost, come in power, come in might. You're touching people right now. Somebody who's having nerve damage in your arm, your right arm. There's pain that goes up and down your right arm. Where are you? Come here quickly. Quickly come. Somebody who's been having pain, it goes down your right leg. It starts up here in your back. It goes right down your leg, and it's been bothering you for some time. Quickly come. The Spirit of the Lord's present to heal. Somebody's been having a reoccurring earache 
It comes, it goes, it comes, it goes. Where are you? Get up here. People, come on, just begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. Miracles are about to happen. Somebody has an arrhythmia of the heart. It just kind of doesn't work properly for some reason. It's been real concern. It's been a concern for you. Come quickly, quickly come. It's power of God's present to heal. Hallelujah. 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 Be healed in Jesus' name. Pastor Daniel, help me. Start on that end. Oh, oh. God's power is present to heal. God is going to renew and restore visions and dreams He gave you years ago. Things you thought were dead. They're not dead. God's going to do it and He's going to renew it. Just believe. Be healed in Jesus' name. Oh my. My, 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 my. Now, in Jesus' name, be healed. Pastor Karen, Pastor Colleen, come help me. Oh, be healed in Jesus' name. Touch her right now. Be healed in Jesus' name. Be healed in Jesus' name. In the Rama Bakoti. People just be praying the Holy Ghost. There's about five of you that are on a business deal and, and you're wondering whether it's going to go through. You're real concerned about this business deal. Come out here, stand in the aisle quickly. God's got a word for you and a strategy for you to bring you through. Where are you? Quickly come stand here. Quickly come. People pray in the Holy Ghost. Come on. This is a Holy Ghost church. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Come real quickly. In the name of the Lord, I speak deliverance, direction. Lord, you're going to bring it about for your glory, honor, and praise. Strategy. Touch. Bring healing and deliverance. Are you here for prayer? You're going to help God's going to give you a dream in the night. He's going to show you what to do. Touch him. Touch him, Lord. Even now, bring peace to his mind. May he not be afraid. May you direct his steps without him even knowing it. Touch, touch, touch right now. Let supernatural wisdom be given even now. Hallelujah. Is that you too? I just want to be sure. I Is it here up here in the front? Oh, 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 my, 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 my. Be healed in Jesus' name. Be healed in Jesus' name. And the Lord is going to enlighten your heart. You're going to hear his voice in clearer ways than you've ever heard before. Shabbat. I want everyone who needs healing in their body, put your hand on where your hurt is. Just stick it right where it is, please. Right now, quickly. Spirit of God's coming. In the mighty name of Jesus. Every hand being laid upon 
their body. It is your hand, Lord, at work now. So in your name, I declare healing. Be healed in Jesus' name. Pain go. Suffering go. Infirmity go. Blood be healed. Pain go. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God is healing lives. I'm going to pray a prayer. It's going to change things for you. Listen to me. God wants to prosper some people here in a great measure. Greater than you know. Listen, I know what I'm talking about. I'm going to pray for that. But I'm going to ask all of you to do something. I'm going to ask you to be givers. You see, God has created giving so we can become like Him. If you'll commit yourself to give like God gives, He has no problem releasing to you what you need to do what He's called you to do. Now we're going to do one more thing before we leave tonight. At every banquet I've been at, I've received a special offering for the church. And my wife and I have given in every single one of those offerings. You say, why would you do that? You already give thousands. Because I want to get blessed. And I'm investing in that extension. Now, if I'm coming a long distance so I can give in an offering, you who live here ought to be wanting to give it to you. I'm going to ask you to sit down. I'm going to ask you to quickly come. Because the power of God is present right now to give. He's going to help you to give. Sir, what did you come up for? And how is it now? Look at this one. Now! In Jesus' name. Pain completely Move it around. Completely go. In Jesus' name. Here, let me have a we're just going to worship and I want the ushers just to put the buckets here and you come up and put the offering in the bucket, make a check out to Casey. We're going to give generously to the work of God. All of it's going to go into this house. God's going to do some great things. Wally, you got faith that we're going to finish that building? All right. Now, I'm excited by Pastor Capo here. I hear we got Bristol Bay online watching. You're going to be full of faith. You're going to get that city saved whole region. That's why you're there. You know that, don't you? That's why you're there. That's why you're there. The Lord spoke to me. He's going to give us Alaskan natives 
people of the land. That's why you're there. You know that, don't you? Whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe. I'm believing with you. You can text to give. Numbers on the screen, I suppose. Or you can, whatever, Pastor Daniel. Yeah, on the, on the, there's uh, an app that we use, Push Pay. Many of you are familiar with it. You can download it on Google Play or on iTunes. You can download our app and give that way. Pastor Daniel. Yes, sir. Are you ready for what God's going to do? I, I am ready as I can be. I've seen it, Pastor. Yeah. I've seen thousands and thousands yeah. of church planting movement, leaders yeah. being raised up. I've yeah. seen revival. I see children singing in the street, high schools being overcome by the power of God. I see our buildings too small. I told you we should have done bigger. <laughs> Let's fill this one. Okay. <laughs> Whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe. You got anybody believing with Pastor Daniel? Go ahead. Yeah. Raise your hands and encourage me. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We sure on. do, Pastor. Let's we just sure worship. Let's wait. Here's what I'm going to do. At the end of the giving, I'm going to put my hands on that offering. I'm going to believe God will double it, triple it, quadruple it. Do it. Listen, I know what I'm talking about. I know what God does when you become a hilarious giver. He gets tickled. He just enjoys it. He says he loves the cheerful giver. I thought he's supposed to love everybody, but there's something about when you start to give that he just can't help himself. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek. So come, would you come? Let's worship the Lord, and as people come, come on, let's sing. Let's the voice. First up, well, bring the buckets. Ushers, if you bring some buckets bring up. Bring the please. buckets up. Come on, quickly, quickly, guys. Thanks. Thank you, guys. Just put it up here. You are so you're ready to give, just come on up. God, you're so
Brother Haggard and his wife and his family come up. Brother and Sister Haggard are going to be at our conference in January become formal ministers of this house. Congratulations. Pastor Daniel's going to pray hard for you. You know that. I want all of you to gather around this because something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. If you could only see how God longs to bless His people. Father, as I lay my hands on this offering, I'm asking that you'll multiply it many times over to build a building to extend your kingdom, not only in this state, but throughout the world from this place. I thank you for the visions you have given and the dreams, but Lord, now I ask for faith to arise in the heart of this people. They'll move in giving greater than they've ever done. And Lord, that we'll stand in awe of how you've provided. And Lord, I pray that everyone who's given in this offering will see a return into their own lives because you give seed to the sower and bread for food and you increase our store of seed. You literally increase us so we have more to give. Do it, Lord, do it. Lord, we declare that a great light has come into this darkened world. It is you. And you have made us your lights in this area. May our light burn brightly. May KC be all you've called it to be. We declare it done. Bless these who've given now, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Give the Lord a big clap off of We want to close our service, but would you, for a moment, please bow your heads all across this place, those online. We never close the service without giving an opportunity to give your life to Jesus. If you've never given your heart to Jesus, won't you do it today? That's the reason we're here, is to reach out to you and to declare that Jesus was crucified and he rose again from the grave on the third day. And if you repent of your sin and believe in your heart, he'll become your Lord and Savior. You ask him in to be your Savior, to wash you, cleanse you. There's no other... Know the name given among men by which we must be saved, the name of Jesus. There is a real hell. There's a real heaven. He died so that you could go to heaven. Just examine your heart all across this place, those online, those in the lobby. Examine your heart. If you want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time, you've never done that before. In a moment, I want to ask you to raise your hand. Or secondly, you want to give your heart in a recommitment because you drifted. You used to walk with Jesus, but you drifted away. You want to come home tonight. Or thirdly, you just want to be assured of your salvation all across this place, those online, listening by your device or by your computer. If that's you, want to get right with God, first time, recommitment, or just be assured. On the count of three, slip your hand up all across this place. You want to be included in this prayer. One, two, three. Do it right now. God bless you. God bless you. My goodness. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you for your honesty. All the way in the back. Thank you. Online, perhaps. Thank you, boys. I see your hand. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sweetheart. God bless you. Thank you. I see that hand. Come on, just pray this prayer with me right out loud. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place and rise again from the grave for me. Come into my life. Wash me. Cleanse me. Forgive me of all of my sin. 
and become my Lord and Savior. Write my name in the Lamb's book of life. Give me a hunger for your word, a hunger for the things of God, and help me by your Spirit to fulfill all the purpose for which I was created. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, I pray. Fill, touch right now. Holy Ghost, come. Saturate each and every one of these. Break every chain. Break every bondage. And use us, oh God, fulfill your purpose in the earth. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Before we close, and, and just a blessing, there's hot cocoa and, and cookies, coffee out there for you. We'd hope that you'd stick around and have some fellowship. Thank you for turning out tonight. God bless you. Let me bless let me close. Father, thank you for what you've done. Bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon us, God. Lift up your countenance towards us. Be gracious to us. Keep us and give us peace. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.